253. Nick's here. Justin's here. Sage is here. Jesse is MIA. Goner. He's in the great. He's in the great Northwest. The great outdoors. The great outdoorsman. Great white hunter. Sticking leaves in his hat, creeping through the bushes. <laughs> Looking for the great elk or deer or something. Squirrels, rabbits. Or drinking beer huddled in a motorhome, freezing his ass off. Because it's raining really bad yeah, and snowing probably, really bad. Probably more along the lines of the truth. <laughs> I uh, I got to tell you, the w- winter is definitely here. I um, got caught in a snowstorm on the way home. Did you guys, I don't know, you probably didn't, but uh, over in Billings, which is quite a ways away from me, almost as far away as you are, Nick, uh, save 160 miles. Wow. They got, um, man, they got pummeled. Holy shit, the roads, wrecks all over the interstate. Winter is upon us. It's cold in the morning, cold all day long, and damn it, I'm just not happy about it. Just not happy. And here you guys are getting some weather, too. Oh, buddy. By the time you guys hear this, might have gotten the uh, blow job of my life. (laughs) 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 See what I did there? There's a first for everything. Yeah, we have a... uh, Now, it's nothing like... I know all the people in Florida are like, "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm. You ain't no weather. Oh, wait a minute. It is the remnants of that uh, that super typhoon. Yeah, there's a big super typhoon off the coast, and we are going to get annihilated with wind and rain and potentially like the most that... Like record setting of all time. 50% 50% chance that when it hits Saturday, it is the worst in Pacific Northwest history. Wow. And they're calling for hurricane force winds on the coast, 40 to 50 foot wave height. That seems pretty serious. It's like serious business. I'm glad so I'm you- up the hill. The only thing I'm worried about is my trees in my backyard. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, not my backyard, my neighbor's backyard. Go get your chainsaw out. I'm going to politely walk over there and just be like, yeah, so here's my lawyer's name. Mm-hmm. Just so we're prepared. Just so we're prepared. We, <laughs> we're on the same page. We, we got an understanding. Yeah, I'm trying to take all the stuff that I don't want and putting it all in my shop. So, so then when one comes <laughs> down on it. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that RV's in there. Yeah, why are all the cars, one? why is your truck on one side? And your your wife's in the shop, and the motorhome in the shop. Oh, sweet Jesus! Wouldn't that be a wonderful day? Oh, jeez, knew everything. Man. <laughs> Smash the Sequoia, the motorhome, and the shop. Oh, 
Oh, it'd be great. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, this week, did anybody do anything fun, Ellie-wise? Because I essentially came home from Nick's and went right to work, and I just woke up like five hours ago from uh, and just working. So, no, I haven't been able to do anything. Anybody else do anything? I did wrenching. Wrenching? Yes. On? Uh, your gasser. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. Tell tell us a little bit about that, though, Dan. How did we get there? Dude, I... Okay, here's the deal. So, all right, I'll start from the beginning. I um uh, had a few days, a uh, day or two extra off, so I decided that I was going to head out to Nick's. Now, I didn't take the radio because uh, I looked at the weather, and it looked like it was going to be shitty, and sure enough. And, of course, we recorded from Nick's last week, as you guys all heard. So we hung out, and then... um Nick had kind of a plan to go hiking on Saturday, which worked out well because I kind of needed to get back home so I could, I didn't have to go to work Saturday night, but I didn't want to drive home and then go straight to work. So I got to thinking, I'm like, hey, if I get up early enough, right, I can go into the trailer and just kind of take what I want. (laughs) So I walked, I got up at six and, uh, and Nick hadn't got up yet. And I walked in and I grabbed a 770 and left a gasser. Yeah. What do you think of that? Took a whole and one ba- and left me one took, in pieces. Yeah, I took one that's flying, ready to go, and left one that's in pieces. So, and then I got, I swapped out the batteries. Did you Did you notice that, by the way? Yes, I did. Okay. I did. Five, seven, the 570 batteries. Yeah, and you were right. That Venom is popped. <laughs> Yeah. I actually, I got to thinking and uh, it was a day or two later. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure he noticed that that battery was in, it was in there. And I was like, maybe I should call just in case for whatever reason, he's not going to be in the trailer and something bad happens and that thing blows up. Wouldn't that suck? Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> nah, it'll but be all right. I figured that you would notice right away that it was there. So, yeah. So I brought home the 770 and I was kind of hoping uh, Sunday that the weather was going to cooperate here. But as I said, winter's on its way in and it was not cooperating, but I wanted to take the 770 down to the field and, uh, uh, and just get a few flights in on it. I'm really excited about it because as we all know and talked about, I like big helicopters, right? And we're going to see, we're going to see it's, it's, it's still Nick's helicopter. Essentially. We're just swapping for a little while to kind of see, just to kind of see if it's something that I want to do down the line. More than anything, it's not like a, we haven't actually we didn't like trade helicopters. I think we what, left that out. What's your prediction here, Dan? I mean, do you? I know you're just giving it a try, and it's not you know official or formal or anything. But do you think that this is going to be a thing for you, or do you think it's just going to be like, eh, yeah, it's a bigger seven hundred? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to. It's going to. Okay, I don't think I'm going to be able to. to let me say this. I hope it's a thing. How does that sound? I hope okay. it's going to be a thing. So you're, you, you have high hopes. I do, but I also uh, am a realist in knowing that in the wintertime, I, I really don't know uh, <clears throat> if I'm going to get enough time on it to really know if it's going to become a thing, right? Because the weather is just hor- horrendous, right, in the winter here. So if we get some nice days, I'll be able to get a few a few flights on it, but... 
I think as spring rolls around and especially heading into Othello next year, um, when I really get a chance, I think by Othello I'll know one way or the other, but I can tell you this, it has completely dampened the urge for me to buy another 700 at the moment. So I'm just going to kind of roll, roll with it and see, see how it goes. That makes I sense. Think I'm, I think I'm going to like it. I really do because I, I dig the lower head speed, bigger machines, you know, I just like them. I always have. That's you know, why I, I, the- I feel like you, you, I'm kind of on board with you on this one. I, I wonder, I have this weird hunch that you might really like it. Reason being because, uh, you know, back in the day you were, you love those 800 size. Yeah. And it's yeah, a- I had the big Bergen and it was a blast and I, well, it, it would have been a blast. I bought at the time it was <clears throat> was all wrong. I bought it at the wrong time in my pilot career, and I'm doing air quotes right now, right? I bought it when I was brand new, so I really didn't get to fly it. I mean, I hovered the shit out of it for many, many tanks, but I wasn't flying when I had it, uh, really doing anything but hovering a, a few small nothing, nothing essentially. So I really didn't get to experience it other than it constantly breaking and hover. <laughs> so I had to get rid of it for that reason. But it was huge. It was a huge helicopter, and I was flying it at like 1,300. It had 850-millimeter blades, and it just it went thump, thump, thump. You know what I mean? And that I really liked. So, Have you ever had an electric of se- bigger than a 700 before? No, I've never had an electric bigger than a 700. It's always been, uh, it was a gasser. I think think you might like it. No, I don't think I have. Yeah, it's kitted out nice. What I'm I'm excited about, I think, and I I don't know if this, it probably isn't going to translate well because it is the 770, but what I'm kind of excited about is um, to kind of compare how Nick tunes uh, his fly barless because it's got all of his settings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to how I do it, because when I, especially towards the end of the season this year, what I found I I was doing a lot was just making arbitrary changes, but big changes, just so I, not 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 necessarily to, to tune anything specific out, but just to see the difference. Now, what does this do if I really reek on this setting? You yeah. Know, yeah. How, how 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 does it affect just so i can kind of kind of get into a better understanding of what it is what you know cuz like nick you experienced it when i was when i was buddy boxing with you you're like how's that feeling like, meh you're like yeah. no dude yeah. fucking give me a specific how does it feel i'm like well meh yeah i don't know no it's okay <laughs> i just didn't oh. i i didn't know how to uh i guess you know i just don't i just wasn't able to articulate yeah what it was uh, so we were just kind of making random changes on the 570 and, and just kind of going from there. And, and still to this day, yeah, I mean, I like the way the 570 flies. Could I make it or do I want it to fly better? Eh, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't know so, what is, yeah, what better is. Well, I think from the changes that I've seen in your flying, you could probably, you could probably go up on your rates a bit. I think so. And I, I do think so. And I actually... I also think that I'm starting to get, and I've been here before, but it kind of backed off. I, you know, I, I talk a lot about the, the 700, Cool Power 700 days. Now, those, those, that was a time when I 
my flying had really kind of progressed to this point where I was starting to really focus on tuning as opposed to just flying. And, um, you know, I was kind of going through various fly bar list changes, which maybe wasn't beneficial Mm -hmm. because I was changing shit up so often, but I did start to notice I want it to do, I want it to roll quicker, right? That kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I want it to, I want to be able, you know, I I don't, the tail's too fast. It's hard for me to keep timing up on various, you know, whatever. It just, it's whippy. I don't like that. So those kind of things. And, and to get, to get a machine that's tuned well, uh, and then just, just have time to go experience it, uh, away from other people and just kind of take my time with it. I think it's going to be kind of exciting to just see that difference. And then and then and then be able to actually just look into the into the radio and 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 see where those settings are and why it's different from where my current settings on my other machines are at. You know, so seamlessly. Uh, that's going to be good, I think. I, and yeah, I I think it's one of those things where and you kind of you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier um Nick is like if you if you're still struggling with whether or not you can tell differences and stuff, it's not just the rates, you know, go in and one by one, make those big changes and don't do it because you're trying to optimize the way it feels, do it so that you can feel the bounds of, uh, of the feeling for that particular parameter. Yeah. yeah and and you then know you can more quickly realize, Oh dude, when I did this, it got ultra rigid and that felt like crap. And when I did this in the opposite direction, it got super loose and that felt like crap. Find out what the bounds are. Then you can figure out where to put it for where you like it. Yeah. It's like tuning or tuning a nitro little, little changes don't really help. I mean, you to really start getting a dial in, you got to make some clicks and you, cause you got to be able to yeah. tell the difference. Yep. Yeah. yeah no, it's kind of, kind of along those same lines. Well, and I, to be honest with you, I I, um, I really kind of started doing that at Snohomish, um, messing around with some with some stuff. But I was I was like, I don't it doesn't it's not making a lot of sense to me. I was just kind of doing it by myself. It wasn't making a lot of sense to me because I was making what I thought were fairly large changes, but not really feeling a big difference uh, in stuff like the agility and stuff like that. Not 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 getting too deep into it, but that's something that I really kind of want to want to focus on. Obviously, in the winter, not as much because it just can't get as much flying in. But as we move into spring and into you know the the fun fly season next year, because um, I I really I I don't know, man. I'm pretty excited about what I'm going to be able to do as a pilot moving into next year. So yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be cool. You know, leave uh, like leave bank three where it is, and then just mess with bank one and bank two. Bank yeah. three is my exact setup. You know, bank one and bank two are the same setups on the cyclic and the tail, but with different, uh, just different head speeds, you know, and, and feel free to, to mess with it. I'm glad that you got it like that because I spent so much time the last part of the season flying the 700, um, you know, at our fun fly and then, and just in my normal flying that, that one was the one that I've been spending a lot of time on, and that one has I've actually gone more aggressive with the tuning. You know, I had mentioned it last episode 
that I thought Jesse would be, it would be very close to his. And it feels really good. Every time I fly it, I'm quickly reminded of it. Like it's the first thing that sticks out in my head. Woo. Wow. Pretty, pretty quick on the old cyclic here, buddy. <laughs> but I just kind of, you know, it takes me a little bit. I'm still not completely used to it, but I think I will be because I need it in order to do certain maneuvers the way that I want them to be done. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good to, to mess around with it. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I actually, I dusted off the sim a couple nights ago or days ago because I sleep in the day and then go to work at night. But yeah, so, <laughs> um, but there's, I got like four or five hours in between there where I can just mess around. I had to actually dump a little, little oil in there to get, get the cogs unrusted. <laughs> it was, mm. Oh my gosh. It was rusty. I, uh, had to do an update. It's been a long time since I fired that next sim up. So, you know, it's, um, th- it's a good time of year to keep the radio right here by the computer and, um, and just kind of play with, play around with that and see what happens. I, you know, I try, I try to say, we all do it at, okay, here, here's my SIM regiment. Some of us can stick to it. Others can't me can't, but I try, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I come up with this plan. Okay. So let's do, uh, let's, uh, this, let's not make it difficult. Let, let's go 15 minutes three times a week. That's 45 minutes over a week. How hard is that, right? You'd it's pretty damn difficult, dude. <laughs> it's really difficult. I don't know. I So far, I'm at 15 minutes. I did one night. I don't know. We'll see. Go, telling you, man, minutes. go back to the freaking PPP. Yeah, that's true. That go is back true. to it, man. I still go back to it. I was actually having a discussion today with someone like, I was the, I saw the video on like a almost near perfect FAI flight uh, that I, I don't know who it was. It's probably one of my teammates, to be honest, did with the carbon Urukai. And I was going, you know, I would kind of like one of those because I, I still have that desire for the clean, perfect, smooth, FAI-ish type stuff. Now, in my mind, I need to have a new helicopter to do that, but, you know. Sure, sure. Well, that's that's understandable. Yeah. I could probably do it with the gasser. I bet you the, the gasser would actually probably be great for it. Yeah. If I didn't have to hear it the whole time. That's the thing. That's, oh, that, that's what on. I was going to say. It, no, it's that's true. You'd have, it's not you'd have that to do bad. It, you'd have to do it from like 100 feet away. They sound good loaded. <laughs> But unloaded, mm. that one doesn't sound too bad. No, it doesn't. Um, the only other, the only other thing left on my plate over the winter is to decide whether or not I want to do. And I really think I want to. I really, I'm still batting around the idea of a scale project, and um, I haven't done a lot of. I've done a little bit of looking into it. Because uh, there's a few other things that I need to get done before I can do that, but that's something that I'd I'd kind of like to do. I, and I don't want to. I want to do a big one, like a big, big one. 
you know <laughs> what are we talking big like an 800 and 900 yeah, yeah or you know 800 yeah an one HB of those big super scales 1600 well do you got an extra 32 grand laying around because if you buy it, i'll I don't, fly no it. no i'm not going to help you either you should have like seen that. the look on my wife's face when dan <laughs> we were sitting in the living room and, and he, we were talking about it and he's like oh yeah by the way kim we're, we're gonna split this just so you know we're gonna go halvesies. Yeah, so he's only got to fork out like sixteen grand, and he did a really good job on the way that he said it. And she just like eyes just came up, looked over at me. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go halvesies on it, and it'll be good. It'll be a good project. We'll. Uh, I don't know what we'd do with it. We'd fly kittens around or something i don't know uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> not quite that big justin but uh certainly not that expensive either but i do want a good one i want i want one i want the, all the navigation lights i want the cockpit i kind of want to do it up you, you know? have a particular model that you like um i want to do like a classic like just a classic like a uh1 or something that that kind of that that helicopter that everybody can recognize, uh, a Jet Ranger maybe. Um, yeah. MD-500, No, MD-500. No. Come no. on. Dude, it's no. third dime a dozen. Everybody's got one, right? Everybody's got an MD-500. We'll do it in like police or military. I just don't know. I want to do a traditional looking helicopter like from the 70s, man. <laughs> oh. Just don't do a llama. Oh, dude, those are nice. I a Dick up in Kalispell's got one, and it's beautiful. It is beautiful. He's done some extra stuff to it. He had some stuff powder coated, and I can appreciate the scale work in some of them, but just the the it, I I just think they're ugly helicopter. But you have no taste, therefore you shall die. I guess I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah. we got to get up there. I got to get up to Kalispell and help Dick get that going one of these days, but. It is a beautiful scale helicopter. I'm a fan of the Jayhawk, the Coast Guard Jayhawk. Not familiar. Uh, it, black, I probably would. It's I probably a black know it if I. It's a Black Hawk and Coast Guard paint. Yeah. Oh, Black Hawk? Nah, nah. It's sweet. I just, I really like the paint scheme on it. And um, I mean, I like the military stuff's a little bit played out for me. I like it. Yeah. That's about it for me, guys. I'm just kind of chilling out. I haven't really even, I haven't even touched a helicopter since I left Nick's. And well, I guess the last time I touched one was when I took it out of my car. But I'm actually, uh, my car's loaded up right now with a 770, a 570, a generator, and um, my radio and some clothes and a chair. I'm going to a fun fly. Oh, are you going to Brett's, dude? I am. I I considered backing out and not going after I looked at the weather forecast, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go and just at worst case scenario, I'm just going to hang out with some friends. Maybe we'll get some flying in. It's looking at the weather, and I know he says the rain skirts the field, but guess what? Saturday it says high wind, like, and it's just got yeah, it's the, got that icon of wind. You yeah, know, it's the, like, the wind does not skirt that field. Yeah, I can't imagine the wind skirts the field, but 
Um, we'll see. So I'm actually contemplating leaving as soon as we're done recording because, you know, I slept all day. <laughs> so oh, I'm awake. So I, you know, <laughs> that means I'd get there nice and early in the morning, but then I'd have to take a nap, but that's all right. I could probably do that somewhere and um, we'll see how it goes. I know that Hemp's going to be there. I don't think Dieter's going. I talked to him, and I think unless he's changed his mind, I think he decided because of the weather uh, he might not be going, but we'll see. And by the time, of course, this shows out, that fun fly will have come and gone. So hopefully we have – I'm sure we'll have a good time hanging out, but uh, it doesn't, doesn't really look like it's going to be conducive to a lot of flying, so as I had hoped. And um, strangely enough – uh, the weather here <laughs> looks like it might be halfway decent. Oh, get out of here. Like it's not <laughs> snowing and it's going to melt. It's supposed to be kind of sunny. Now, here's the deal. It did snow and it snowed hard, but none of it stuck down in the valley. And it's actually kind of melting off up in the hills too, but it's just cold as hell and it's snowing, but it's not really sticking. So, well, cold. it's not cold as hell yet. It's 30s. You know, highs of about, I don't know, 45 in the day. So, yeah, that's uh, that wraps up my week. We have always had awesome support from our local Northwest companies, and Progressive RC is no exception. They've been with us since nearly the beginning and continue to support us year after year. David and his team are working hard to constantly bring you guys the best chargers, connectors, power supplies, and of course, his all-inclusive charging cases. So when it comes time to upgrade that charger or stock up on connectors for the winter, head on over to ProgressiveRC.com, where we know the quality products and service will speak for themselves. Who's next? I'll go. I, uh, I like you, don't really have all that much to say. The weather has been... Weather's been pretty crappy down here, and we already discussed what the weekend's going to be like, so I really have no hope of flying anytime soon. In fact, as I look down at my weather app on my phone right now, it tells me that there is an 80 to 100% chance of rain for the next 15 days straight. So, God's that, that's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a shitty situation. That's okay. I'm attempting to make the best of it, uh, and I am doing that by continuing simming. Now, like you, Dan, it's always difficult for me to get back into the sim, especially after a long time away. But, you know, the we've talked a little bit about the sim lately. We also did, uh, I don't know if you guys remember. In fact, I don't even know if you saw it. Did you guys see Michael's... Uh, um, simulator i think it was an AccuRC sim over at his tent at yeah. rchn4 on a huge projector screen yeah oh, you yeah get one of those setups no i i don't i would like to i think it would be really cool but i guess i'm referencing that because it kind of kicked me off on thinking back to the sim now i did fly AccuRC. um at that time i didn't think much of it i mean it it flies fine i guess um, one thing I can say is the couple of models that I did fly seem to be way off from what I would have expected that model to actually fly like. 
and I didn't bother uh, doing any tuning on it. So, you know, I, I guess I can't critique it too hard. But, you know, then came back here, started up on the sim, like I said, last week, uh, put a couple of hours in last week, a few more hours in this week, still on next. And uh, and then Michael sent me a link yesterday about the new real flight, which the graphics engine on that thing looks freaking amazing. So I, I know it's, you know, it's a superficial thing, but uh I like good graphics. Uh, I'm worried my computer won't actually be able to handle it, but uh, we'll see. I'm thinking I may just pick it up to screw around with. If in the very least to be able to get back to real flight and see how it's changed, because the last one I flew is like six. So how like six, I got six a question five. for you. How does what? it work with like, do you still use the, the, the tra- real flight transmitter now with the new one? Sage, do you know? That I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh, they've got a whole new tactic coming out. A whole coming new out? Transmitter. Or out now? Coming out. And there's a wireless dongle coming out. And there's the inner link plug-in like, you, uh, like they've had forever. Because, Justin, if you want 7, you can have it. We just have to... I need to send my the inner link into uh, wherever the hell you send it to. Can't remember now. What's the name of the place? Tower. Great. Yeah, Great Plains, Plains or Tower or whatever. And it's yep. 30, 35 bucks, and they'll send me another one back. And you can have real What is seven. wrong with yours? That's uh, the one that I left the USB end of it hanging outside of the car and drove it around the block. Like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, right, yeah, that, that Just, one. Yes. Justin, do you need an interlink radio? Uh, no, I have it, dude. That's what I use to fly next. So what? I don't understand why. What, what radio are you talking about, Nick? The the interlink one. I didn't know he had it. I didn't. Oh, think okay. Because I because I, I say I have an interlink that you can use as well. Yeah, what? so this is this one this RF is called Real Flight X or 10, I don't know, maybe it meant it, it was it was a Roman uh, okay. thing. I don't know. Anyway, they do have an RFX interlink transmitter that I think comes with it. Um now I would actually like to know whether I could use my old one because I'll be honest with you, 180 bucks is steep. I, I think um, I read somewhere that all the old connection hardware still works. Okay, so, so that would probably save me one, like 50 yeah. bucks. If, of course, they had, uh, you know, an option to buy it without the transmitter. And I haven't looked into that yet. They do. Anyway, I, I guess my point is I'm kind of, sort of, maybe interested in screwing around with some different sims over the uh, winter and just seeing what it's all about. If in the very least to... Uh, you know, even if I come back to saying that next is the sim for me, then great. Okay. I can probably sell real flight X, uh, for a reasonable return. I mean, I'm not going to be making money obviously, but so, so is, uh, you know, the, the four sale forms and the hobby. So that, you know, that's something that I'm kind of getting interested in. I mean, I'm not going to take it too crazy, but it would be interesting to see what comes out of it. I would so be been, interested to try um, AccuRC. Would you? Yeah, I think so. I could use a little 
Sim freshening up as far as a little bit of motivation and maybe just trying a new Sim, even if I don't like it, will get me back in the routine. And see, that's kind of where I'm at too, Nick, is it's not even so much because I think I'm going to find one that I like better. But if just fooling around with them is is enough to get me remotivated, then that would be awesome. And so to that end, it's funny you mentioned the PPP. What I've been messing with is the PPP, uh, you know, going back to basics as well as throwing in some just fun 3D routines in the middle of everything. But what I thought the best way to do this was once I decide what Sims I want to test out is have a set routine that I fly on each Sim as a means to compare how they feel, how they respond, the physics, how am I going to go and, you know, tune, for example, RFX to get kind of what I feel like I like out of Heli uh, or out of uh, Next Sim. So I think it would be a cool comparison. I'm not going to call it a review because that's probably a little too formal, but I'll certainly want to talk about it once I get there. Do you want to know what I think will happen? I would love to know. I'm thinking that you're going to get them both to fly just as you'd like, but I think what I guess would be the selling point and maybe what you're actually looking to do is to figure out which one of those is easier to get to fly like you like. Is that, I mean, is that fair? Um, that's, that's a, it's an interesting point. I hadn't considered that. I would say after having flown next for a few years now, Dan, it's pretty damn easy to get to fly the way I want. And, and I'll tell you why, because I can copy all the damn settings. Once I nail it on one bird, I go into the custom settings window, copy all of the code, paste it into the next graphic, and it flies exactly the same. Yeah, that's all I'd look for in a sim. How easy is it to tune? It's pretty damn easy. Good. And it flies speed really well. But let's see. Maybe maybe real flight. Maybe how does the AccuRC thing work? Is it like, Nick, could you and I go halves on a license and split it? Or do we have to buy? Because you know how next you pay, what is it, like 60 bucks and you get 80. two licenses. 80, 80. bucks. It was, yeah. We yeah. paid 80 and then we got In two fact, licenses. Yeah, you and I did that. Yep. I don't know. Sage, do you know? Um, it doesn't work that way. As of right now, it's it has hardware protection like uh well like Real Flight or something. There's a dongle that you plug in. Okay. But two point may be changing that because they're going to there's going to be Steam a Steam version. Uh so Somehow the dongle is going away, and I don't know what the future copy protection will be. You know what? You mentioned that last week, I believe. And the Steam thing, to me, is awesome. I don't know. Do you guys do Steam? I do Steam. I don't have any clue what it is. Steam is essentially, I don't know. know. It's a service, for lack of better words, right? So, like, let's say you buy a game through Steam. You don't ever, that's it. Once you buy it, the next time you get a new computer or whatever, you crash your computer crashes, you have to wipe the hard drive. All you have to do is log into your Steam account and you can download the game again. You don't ever you don't have to keep track of anything. It's always there. Auto updates. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's always there. In fact, like Nick, I could give you my Steam account and you could download a game 
Now, obviously, we couldn't play it at the same time, but whatever games are in my account, you could put on your computer. Hmm. We couldn't play them at the same time because your Steam, I believe, your Steam account has to be running while you're playing those games. I don't know. There's offline mode. You can't play online together, but Dan, you could say give Nick your Steam account and Nick could enter the credentials and download the game he wanted to play onto his computer, go and then log into Steam in offline mode and play all day long, and then you could you you could also access your account and play as well. Wouldn't be a problem. There you go. Yeah, because I don't do anything online anyway. Yeah, I just buy games through Steam mainly because it's just easy. It's You don't ever have to keep track of discs or you know, key numbers or anything. Once you enter that shit into your Steam account, it's there. And it's always there, regardless. You know how I am with passwords. (laughs) (laughs) Aha, yes. So, So, yeah, yeah, that's that's one thing I'm thinking of. The other thing I want to briefly touch on, because I've seen a couple of people in the forums... Uh, poking around about the secret squirrel that I had discussed, and I, I guess maybe I didn't didn't give enough detail on that. I thought I had, but just to clear it up once and for all, the goblin speed with the three blade head is n- there's nothing secret squirrel about the design, guys. Five hundred yes. S. Five. Not the did I say five hundred? No, you said goblin speed. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. The goblin five hundred sport with the three blade head. The only thing that was secret squirrel was that I was doing the testing for SAB behind the scenes. The model is released. I don't have anything special on it. It's a bone stock model with a three blade head and some 465 1D blades. Um, it is a 12S design. It's really damn fast and it sounds awesome. And it's freaking awesome. Yeah. So it's not, it, this is not like SAB is not breaking into the 500 class speed market. It was more a question from Enrico um, and Stefano as to whether or not it could even be competitive. Because Gowie, believe it or not, Gowie really rocked the speed world with that R5 and got a lot of the other manufacturers thinking, hmm, could I do something like that? Well, of course, the, the, the first natural thing to ask yourself as a manufacturer is, do I already have something that is sufficiently capable? Yeah. And I think the answer, based on the testing, as well as you know what you've done with yours, Nick, we kind of followed alongside each other, even though I couldn't say anything about mine. Uh, I, I think it's very competitive, and I'll say what I've said before, which is the Class 2 models, as well as Class 1, are probably going to be the ones that are responsible for getting the largest number of people to try speed and then where they go from there is up to them. I don't think I don't think you're actually going to beat it in that class. That's my I, I don't think you will either right now, but the what so Oh, that's tough, man. The X5 I think is capable. I really think the X5 is capable. Can it go as fast as the Goblin? I'm thinking no. And the only reason I say that is because I'm nervous about its drivetrain. 
holding up to that power. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like, can you mm-hmm. think of any other 500 class models whose drivetrains are going to take a continuous? I mean, I've been up at above three kilowatts on that thing. Oh, yeah. That's that's a lot of power for a freaking six pound heli. Yeah. When you're pulling 110 to 120 amps on 12S with a 500, like shit gets real. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the story behind the 500. If you want specifics of, you know, how I'd set it up or what exactly I'm running, feel free to PM me or, you know, ask the question in the forums and I can write all that stuff down. I'll probably respond to that uh, thread that's up there in our listeners corner eventually anyway. Just haven't gotten around to doing much responding this week. Um but yeah, it's it's a badass little model and you could build it all right now as you see it. That is all I have, Jeff. Everyone knows that I am not fond of changing things up. Something's working for me, I stick with it. Recently, I decided to try a new Revelectrics Power Lab 8. And as you'll hear the guys on the show say from time to time, you just don't know what you don't know. The PL8 is a powerhouse, and if that isn't enough for you, well, why don't you check out the Dual Power Lab 8? Now, the coolness doesn't end there. You want to get even more sexy? Go get your bump on. Bump charging is the future. Don't believe me? Well, then you know nothing, John Listener. Find out more information at www.revelectrics.com. Who's next? Don't all speak at once. I think that's just you, Sage. All right. Um, well, a pretty quick week for me. I got out uh, on Tuesday and did a little flying. Uh, I kind of rummaged around, and I had some uh, 7S 3300 packs that were waiting for the EXO to get here, and so I slapped them on a battery tray and charged them up and and did a little flying with the 7HV. Uh, head speed seemed a little higher than what the set RPM should have been. So I think uh, I need to pull things apart and double check that I've got the right gear ratio, that I have the right pinion on it. Cause it just, it had way more go than I was expecting it to. I had the set RPM at 1850 and it just, it just way faster than I was, have been used to it reacting on 12S. Um, not on the cyclic, just purely on collective. And I was using about a third of the, my collective pitch and it's just moving. So I, th- I think maybe that I have my gear ratio entered incorrectly or something. Um, other than that, uh, I've got a pack. I'll probably pack tonight after the show or maybe tomorrow to head up to Tri-Cities for me. It's a little shorter drive than Dan, what Dan's got. Um, but yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be nice to go either way. The weather is a concern, but you know, yeah. I hope Showing we can get support. some flying in. Yep, exactly, exactly. And I didn't. I wasn't able to get out at the beginning of the season. I didn't make it to Othello. I didn't make it up to Spokane. So I'd like to finish the season as strongly as possible. Um, other than that, I I really don't have have much other than. 7HV 
out and I'm eating crow now because it's raining on my head and it's supposed to rain for about the next three weeks after all my gloating last week. <laughs> That's what I get. Weird how that works. Yeah, this crow is wet and soggy and it doesn't <laughs> taste any good. But yeah, turn the heat up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been I I've been simming all week. Um, my my sim game is going to be strong because we're going into winter time, and that's just when I tend to sim more. Um, I I have that sim schedule that I kind of talked about before, and it that is definitely based on PPP. I I look at the PPP, uh, uh, all the different maneuvers, and I just tend to pick ones that I feel like I week on, and I'll assign them a slot. A, you know, a five or ten minute practice slot, and and that that helps me stay stay on the sim because then I actually feel like I progress, uh, and, and that makes me happy. It makes me more motivated to to do it. Um, yeah. Other than that, it really has been a pretty boring week. Oh, I did do one other thing. I I'm, I'm taking my first my my baby steps into into the world that is nitro oh yeah well you see i i saw that a a guy that uh you know talk helly's with on facebook and stuff a little bit had a had just recently upgraded his os uh 91 to a os 105 and so i messaged him and said hey what are you gonna do with that os 91 and he said oh well i'm probably not gonna do anything with it the crankcase is broken and uh, it's probably just going to sit here. And I said, well, would you sell it to me for cheap since you're not going to use it? He's like, okay, sure. I mean, whatever. And I go look, and I'm looking at crankcase prices, and I'm like, 100 bucks is not bad. And then I went over to uh, RC Japan, and I found a crankcase for $4. <laughs> yeah. So I ordered nice. it. Nice. Four bucks? Yep, yep. $4. And so, uh, yeah, I bought uh, a lot of stuff off that site, nitro yep. stuff. Yeah. Yep. So I'll be, I'll be buying the actual motor, uh, here in a couple of weeks. And when I get it, I'll, I'll rebuild it and then it'll start. Um, what I, uh, my goal is to, uh, build the cheapest nitro I possibly can that still flies. I'll just see what happens. Should, Should I can hardly that, get that? The expensive that makes ones me nervous, man. For you. <laughs> not, not, don't be nervous safety wise. There there won't be Oh any, no no, I'm not worried about screaming. safety. I'm just worried about like <laughs> I can nitro, care less about your safety. Nitro well, I that's not what I meant, but that's okay. what it sounded yeah, like. Yeah, I, I understand. What I meant to say is nitro's a pain in the dick enough when uh, you spend a lot of money on it and now you're douching around with cheap shit. But here's the thing, Justin. If I spend a lot of money on it and it's a pain in the dick, I'm gonna be pissed. Oh, you don't worry. You're going to be pissed anyway. <laughs> not if I don't spend a whole bunch of money on it. I'm not going to worry about it. You don't know what you don't know. I guess. I yeah. don't say go I, for I, it. I, I, like I said before, I am excited for you, and I am also excited to live vicariously through your frustration. I think don't worry. Awesome. I'll keep you all updated. Not me. Oh, I, I just can't wait till you. You're just you just giggle when I tell you I blew up my first motor. Now I think you'll be fine. Dude. And it will I got to get mine back up way. in the air. Shit, that will happen. Oh, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I'm sure. But when it's a motor that I paid, uh, you know, 50 bucks for, I'm not going to worry about it as much as if I bought it brand new. That's at least the logic I'm going with. Where's your sense of adventure at? Come on, man. It's not in my wallet. Oh, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Excellent. I think it's awesome. Nitro. Nitro rules, man. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've heard all about it. I hear it all the time. I'd like to check it out. But then that, that really is it for me. Other than that, I, I have not been up to much. Good Blade has personality, has soul, has attitude, has performance, and it's got character. When you finally find that blade, there's a connection. There's no better feeling than being able to get that blade and find sizes for all your helicopters. That's why switch blades just make sense. No shopping for one set of blades over here, then the other set of blades over there. One brand, one stop. All sizes. Make the switch. When you're ready to make the switch, go to www.bkdesignsllc.com to find sizes for all your helicopters. That leaves Nick. Yeah, I, I mean, my week has consisted of just tinkering a little bit here and there on on your gasser. A little slower than usual. Okay, maybe a lot slower. A lot slower than usual. Yeah. But, you know. That's all good. I'm not yeah. in a hurry, like we it's said. Not, yeah. It's not. The we- weather's not exactly going to take a turn for the better tomorrow, so. <laughs> Got some time. I, I do have some time. The Justin has definitely piqued my interest with the sim thing. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll look into Accuracy. I think, uh, Nick, I am going to go ahead and order another uh, 300 from Kerry. Oh, geez. Yeah. Do you want to break it in? Well, yeah, I will. And and the thing of it is, is um, it, it's, I don't know. I just feel like it'd be good to have a motor lying around, even if we, I, you know, we end up switching back right away because I turn out, it turns out I don't like the 770, but because there's so many gasser models about to hit the market, having an extra motor laying around. That's a good point. Sounds dude. appealing to me. So yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, you get an extra motor. And then you're going to end up wanting to make the 770 a gasser. No. No, no. I, already have two, I already have two gabbling, gabbling gassers. Gabbling. Don't, don't need another. Uh, there's there's a few options coming down the pike, and I think it's exciting for next year. So we'll see. But mainly got to see if I'm in, I'm digging the uh, digging the 770. But an extra motor laying around sounds, sounds good. Yeah, I'll break it in for you too, Nick. I'll break it in on the stand. Perfect. Be ready I'm, to roll. I'm game. Excellent. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, huh? Should do some news. Do we have any news? Yeah, any we news? could. We got a little bit of news. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. All right, what do we got for news this week, dudes? Dudes. 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 <laughs> All right, we have uh, Grappner's got a new-ish. I'm going to call it-ish radio, the MZ24 Pro. 
which is basically the MZ24. It's got some fancy red on it. Uh, let's see. It includes a one eight channel and two six channel receivers. Case five thousand milliamp lipo, which I do believe is bigger than the old one. Um, charger, SD card, and more. It's expected October seventeenth. Interesting. Four hundred and seventy bucks. I still don't think it's a bad radio at all. I couldn't. I just couldn't deal with the switch spacing and the programming makes you want to pound your head against the wall. But as far as actual capability-wise, I had no problem with mine. I've kind of still got my eye on one. It's an interesting radio system. Uh, There's a lot um, that they've already done, and I think a lot more that can be done with their telemetry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a very powerful radio. There was nothing that I wanted to do that I couldn't at the time. Now I, you know, I got out of out of it before the telemetry got too um, really got super popular, so I, I can't comment on that. Um, but yeah, it it was just for me. It was just all the switch spacing. I was just really struggling with it. But I mean, it's pretty powerful for the price. So you know. Might end up might end up being an option again. Um, let's see. We got two more up here. Sage, you put these up, so you why don't you run with these? All right. Well, one is Velos uh, posted something on Facebook, and it looks like they have a UAV platform that they've announced. Um, they eh, they haven't put up much info on it. Uh. It's just just a graphic with the with the 3D model, and I can tell you this: it's a computer model. It's not an actual helicopter, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how this goes for them. It's a, got a three bladed head and a three bladed tail on it. Um, it's pretty sleek looking. I love the advertising. I absolutely love it. Their marketing strategy, right here, capable. That that's one yep. of their points. Capable. Yep. Capable. Capable. I mean, of... it, should, <laughs> it it shouldn't fall out of the sky. Draining your wallet? Yeah, I mean what is what is the intent of that then? Capable. Of flying? As opposed to incapable. Yeah. I mean it's a good start. <laughs> yeah, it, it Let's is. Let's be honest. I, I feel like it's a little basic. I yeah, prefer I, that to the alternate. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> super long fly. Can we quantify super long? Super. I, I, I would it's, like that's to That's a know. scientific measurement. Super long is very yeah. scientific. Yeah, that uh, is between a schlode and a flode. <laughs> Dude, here's another one I like. Fully redundant. So there's extra swash plates? No, I'm... <laughs> I'm guessing that's the flight controller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, oh, and they, mission, mission ready. Mission ready. Mission. Because everyone has missions that need to be done. I kind of like the looks of it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, it's got a good look. Like I said, I, I think it's got a good look compared to some of the other options out there. There's no condor. <laughs> With the cancer oh, in the Oh, the condor. The Phineas and the flying oh, Phineas and Ferb. That gasser. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, about that. No, it's, I mean, I get it. It makes sense. If they have the capability of making something this size, you know, I, I can't, I can't really blame them for doing it. And at well, least and, it looks cool. Yeah. And if it is an effective platform for somebody, that's great. So what else you got? Uh, it looks like um, a line is. Got a new 550 out, the 550X Dominator, or Dominator 550X. Uh, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the previous latest 550, so I'm not sure what all has changed. It looks like there's a battery tray system. Uh, They say that they've dropped some weight with it. Um... 250 grams lighter. Uh, and they've added some rake to the landing gear, which makes it look like it. it, it it's it's definitely got some rake to it now. Yeah, it That's does. Good. That's good. That's good for beginners especially too. Yeah. Five degrees. We were, we were adding degrees. in our own. Yes. No, that yep. is true. Hmm. It It looks very similar. Familiar. Familiar. Yes. Familiar. Yeah. That's looks like the last one. Does it look capable? Does it look capable? Killer. It looks capable. Now, is was that meant as a compliment or um it's just why didn't they call it the five fifty remastered? It's like just a new skin. It's got a new canopy. Yep. Oh, and it looks like it's got a new Some red anodizing. <laughs> it's got a new uh rebranded hobby wing. Oh yeah, it looks like it's got a one hundred. It does, there, which a one hundred and a micro beast. I hadn't seen that rebranded yet. So. Two hundred fifty grams lighter. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I'm I'm trying to get on board. I really am. Yeah, I mean, I, people seem to like the Align five fifty. So, I mean, if it's an improvement in the weight category, because I know it's traditionally been regarded as somewhat heavy of a helicopter. Uh, if they really can make the make some improvements there, it, it, I don't see any reason why people wouldn't continue to like it. It lacks the wow factor that I would like to see, but realistically, it's probably going to be a really good model. Yes. It looks pretty solid. All right. Is that it for news? That's it. Well, cue up news intro, exit, whatever. Fuck it, whatever. Fuck <laughs> 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 it. <laughs> <laughs> This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money back guarantee. That's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. I guess that means we're going into our topic. Because that's what we do after the news. So here we are. And I'm looking at the whiteboard. And I'm trying to make sense of these notes. 
So what you're saying is, whoa, somebody geez, else wants come to enter this, man. Okay, I don't under, I don't understand what V control sets new trend is. What's that mean? So so here here is what we're talking about. What we're what we're talking about today is sort of the state of the hobby, but from a different perspective. You know, I mean, we you've heard us say before. Let's not we don't want to hear any more about the hobbies in a downturn and everyone's leaving and no one likes helicopters anymore. Um, I, I think there are plenty of examples out there that refute that. Um, and, and it you know, the evidence is around to the contrary. But hey, what what we want to discuss today is. What 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 does the hobby look like right now in terms of technology and innovation um, as compared to, say, five years ago and versus what it may look like in in five years, do we feel like the hobby has reached a plateau or a lull? And and I think the the thing that really got me personally thinking about this was right or wrong was the news a couple of weeks ago of the HD 1600. It's kind of like now, since then, we've talked a little bit about, well, maybe it wasn't really targeting 3D people. Okay, I get that. But but that aside, um, one could perceive that as that company or any other company saying, you know, I don't know what the hell we're going to do to spice things up right now, but we got to come out with something that's mind-blowing and exciting. And for HD, it was the 1600. Uh, you know, you look around at some of the other companies. Mikado came out with the Plastic 700. Eh, it's not revolutionary. It's more evolutionary, right? Probably is what they should have done five years ago. Is yeah, what but it I, is. I still feel like they... It's a very different design. No, I, I get it. I get it. But it's not... It's not ooh-ah groundbreaking. It's not right? groundbreaking, though. You're it's right. been a weird release, too. I mean... It, they kind of trickled out some kits and then now there's yeah. people waiting on kits again. And so the, I don't know, you could take a really groundbreaking helicopter and I feel like with a release that's not with, that is kind of lackluster, kill a lot of interest. Oh, dude. Yeah. You know, so, so coming from as recent or recently as I'd say, what, three years ago, Actually, it's more like four now. Goblin came out. SAB came out in 2012, right? When SAB came on the scene, it was like innovation, innovation, innovation. Every couple of months or six months or so, they came out with something else new. It was bigger and better than the last thing. It was still completely different than everything else on the market. Can you know? Consider that in those same couple of years, we saw a huge increase in the capabilities of all, but maybe a couple of fly barless systems, um, you know, self-rescue, uh, E and N governor, uh, Bluetooth capabilities, improved programming, and then most recently with the V control, uh, we have been on a pretty positive slope in the last few seasons. But this season, I feel like, and, and, and I want to know what you guys think that maybe we've kind of hit a plateau. So you got, you got, we talked about the logo. Okay. Logo 700. It's definitely an awesome model, but it's not ultra progressive. Okay. You've got compass. They are coming out with the XO. Eh, 
I mean, okay, not super exciting. And I send the hate mail to me. I'm fine. SAB, um, they've now officially got a helicopter in every freaking possible size. And even in a couple of sizes that I didn't even know were sizes. I mean, we got a we got a 380, we got a 420, a 500, a 570, a 630, a 650, a 700, and a 770. And I'll be honest with you, the Black Thunder and the Nitro were great. Um, I think they are awesome models from what I hear and what I've seen. Are they super progressive? No, not really. And then the 420 is just a stretched 380. So it feels like even the guys at SAB are are struggling a little bit in today's industry to come out with something that is as large of a step forward as their previous releases. I I got to say that I don't know after looking and I've been looking at a lot of nitros lately and just looking at different models and stuff and I don't know that I agree with you as much just on the black nitro not being innovative there's a lot of features on that nitro that maybe you can find on some other sabs but you definitely don't see them on any other nitros yeah and they dropped the ball on the release with the with the um starter shafts and that's totally fair oh yeah yeah right so there's another one look i'm not i'm not talking shit i love sab i like all the other companies that we're discussing all of them have their pros and cons but the point i'm trying to make is if you take a step back and look at airframe technology and fly barless technology, which are really the two big ones that we see the growth in, right? Motors and ESCs, whatever. I mean, we've got Hobby Wing. They're awesome. They're reliable. They're reasonably priced, but they're not doing anything that no one else has done before. Okay, so airframes and fly barless systems. Where do we go next in that? Because none of even the most innovative companies right now are coming out with crazy, crazy stuff in fly barless. All but one or two companies have upgraded to the newest hardware, you know, the processors, um, all, all of the different sensors and such. And so there are incremental improvements that can happen there with firmware and programming features, but we've got governor, we've got self rescue, We've got all of those bells and whistles. So I kind of, I guess I kind of feel like this season is the first season for me that feels like we have plateaued in terms of innovative technology. I, I think that, uh, go ahead, Dan. I think that um, innovation is, is relative at any given point in time especially with the RC helicopters, because it kind of comes in a cyclic nature. I mean, if you think back, we've got, if we go back a long ways, we've got big, heavy machines flying woody blades, right? Then we're going into carbon fiber blades, and it's that innovation step. And then it kind of plateaus off, and then the next new thing comes along. Not only is innovation relative to to that time frame, it's also relative to a successful innovative idea is relative to demand, because you can make something and call it the most innovative thing on the market, but if someone doesn't want to buy it, it doesn't mean a damn thing, right? I mean, if it doesn't, if it's not a successful market launch, there is no innovation to be had. So I think that we've got right now, 
I I came into the hobby right when I well I guess it was a year or two before flybarless systems really started to take hold. So we got these systems and and now they're being perfected. It's it'll be the next you know as far as looking into what will they want to improve upon it it would be lightweight lighter weight materials lighter lighter machines and uh, more power. And I think it's cyclic. I think it'll it'll always kind of ramp up and slow down, ramp up and slow down. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's you know, I I although I do think that there have been some really um how do I put it like, you know, with like bailouts coming along. That man, that was huge to get to the point yeah. where the bailout and now maybe not the bailout bailout itself wasn't revolutionary but the standardization of bailout that was revolutionary i mean you know for the trend right. to, to take over that it's damn near mandatory your fly barless system has it now and you know we had and called that, that it's reliable and that it's reliable we had called it back then we said that's what was going to happen and i'll be damn well we'll we'll take that win because it has and it's incredible and okay, I, and so that's a that's a killer example, and and like Dan said, innovations relative. So that is an innovation, right? Now it's not something that I think the majority of the hobby acknowledges or even recognizes until after the fact. You know what I mean by that? Like in absolutely. hindsight, it's like, oh shit, dude. I can remember 24 months ago where I pulled the bailout switch on so-and-so flybarless system, and I was flipping a coin as to whether I was going to drive it in, for <laughs> example. Yeah, and, and not and, only that, not only that, guys, but I remember, I don't, I think it might have been longer than 24 months ago, but there was a time when we, well, I know I, I don't know if you guys agreed with me or not, but I, I mean, we were like, bailout, that's a crutch. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I, yeah. do, I remember having conversations about that. And now it's yeah. a standard. It's a standard. As well as uh, electric and nitro governor on flybarless yes. systems, right? Or Bluetooth programming. And, and you know, the, the parallel on the, on the airframe side is reliability and quality control. When I got into the hobby, I don't even know what it's, seven or eight years ago, man, quality control was not all that great. And I remember getting multiple kits where parts were completely missing or the part wasn't machined correctly and I had to do the modifications myself or it was bad plastic and you had to do all sorts of different tricks to make it, you know, survive in a crash. Nowadays, and I, I think we all take it for granted, I'm, I'm not sure there's a heli brand out there that you could buy and be too terribly worried about reliability now i know some people have parts availability issues and maybe there's one part on every design that it's like damn it that thing is a piece of shit but in general i think the level of quality control has come up to a point where it's pretty consistent that's an innovation but it's yes. not one that the general hobby recognizes and and counts amongst the the big ones like Goblin or like Fly Barless Governors or Bailout or Radio Integration from V Control. So I think we've just become so 
I'm immune to spoiled spoiled yeah we're just flat out spoiled it's like we're almost so nonchalant about innovation that uh, yeah well of course they're going to they have to you know we're we're so just dull and numb to it from every other aspect of the world that we don't really appreciate you know the the stuff that has happened in the hobby i mean you know tuning your fly barless system from your radio my good God, once you do it, I mean, I understand. I, I've been on both sides where you're going, eh, it's not, I mean, it's not a big deal for me to grab my laptop. Yeah, until you've had it. And then you never, ever want to go back. That's a big deal. Uh, you know, wh- when that hit, man, that was big. Like we were talking about the bailout thing. That's a really, really big freaking deal. So, yeah, and you know, tuning from the radio, I can, re- and that's a, that's probably the most recent example, Nick. I can remember when we first started talking about that. It was like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. just yeah. just go back to your laptop. If you know, you know, half a thing about tuning, you'll be done in a half dozen flights. You don't have to touch it. Yeah, and then that radio is no different than any other radio. Yeah, and what? yet now it's kind of like, oh, dude, like you gotta have radio integration. Yeah, and what about telemetry? Telemetry is coming. Yeah, that's a good way. point. I mean, that is massive. If you were flying speed, anything more than, I mean, you are completely reliant on maybe, in best case scenario, an app and or. All you had was like a GPS, like a radar gun or, yep. you know, timer set up and it was try it. Maybe it's faster. Try it. Maybe it's faster. And after doing, you know, 15 runs, if your runs averaged out to a little faster, then you found out that your change worked. Nothing like what we have now where it's like I bumped my pitch up a quarter of a degree and my RPM up 50 RPM go do one run and go, ooh, wow, look at the current Too pull much. on that. Too or much. Or that's a lot better or what. Yeah, exactly. Back it down. I mean, these are just huge, completely innovative things that, I mean, almost kind of seem nonchalant. Maybe that's just me because well, we are. And so- I'll tell you, I think it's because, Nick, I don't think it's just you. I think it's because the primary growth area right now is in, you know, what we've referred to in other conversations as support technologies, Mm -hmm. right? The radio. Now, I mean, you know, you need a radio to fly, so it's not really a support technology, but it is when, when you think about the big deal stuff, it's the helicopter. It's the fly barless system, that sort of a thing, right? I mean, radios are radios to a certain extent, but... Support technology for radios, the integration, the telemetry. What about uh, even going one step further removed from the model itself? Uh, Charging, batteries. So you've got, you know, uh, the the guys over at um, Revelectrics have pushed really hard in the last year. They got the bump controller. Now, it's it's limited to their brand of chargers. But that's really innovative. I just don't think that the hobby acknowledges it as such. 
because it's also kind of like one of those radio integration things where you're like, yeah, but I've gotten by this far without bumping my battery. You know what's right? funny, though? There's always one company that comes out with something first, yeah. and it never takes off. And everyone's like, oh, that, nah, that'll never make it. And then two years later, everyone's got it. Yeah, because someone else does it, like, better. And, and I'm going to use the radio integration, Futaba. CGY 750 was the first one to have it. You could tune your head gain to everything from the radio. All the guys yeah. that happened to fly that fly barless system thought it was great. Everyone else was like, yeah, it's cool, but you're still flying a CGY. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so they came out with it way before, like way before. Way before. Way Years. 2010, 2011? I mean, it was right when this, what, the 8FG came out? You could do it from the 8FG. I remember that. But, you know, they didn't make it popular uh, when V-Bar came along. Even the V-Control didn't take off that fast. Uh, I think mostly because of the price tag. But my point is someone always comes out with it. And then it takes one popular company to run with it to really, you know, have it take off. And, and so I, I personally kind of see the bump controller as the same thing. They came out with it. It's got a, you know, fair. I think that most of the people, well, I shouldn't say most. I think maybe, well, I don't know. Half the people that are flying there that are using Revelectric stuff, maybe have one. I really don't know. Half? I don't think it's half. I'd say a quarter. Yeah. I mean, iCharger is still guess. really popular. I would maybe even say the most. Yeah, I would agree because they've brought their quality control up to speed as well as their features, and they're still cheaper. Yeah, that's true. The, the problem with something like the bump controller at least in my perspective, because I don't deal with a lot of batteries, is it's nice, and I dig it. Totally unnecessary. Yeah. It just makes you more comfortable. Yeah, it's just... things easier. It just... It, but it doesn't... Yeah, it, I guess it does, but it doesn't... It's not a ton easier. It's just... It's it's gim, It's kind of a gadgety, gimmicky, gimmicky, cool thing. I mean, it... But see, I don't... I think that that's just now, because it's in the primary stages. My guess, and if they were smart... They're, they will release, their next charger will have it built into it. Yeah, built into it. That would make all the difference in the world. And hopefully reduce, because by the time you combine a charger and a bump controller, holy Christ, you know. Yeah. Um, it's got to be a little cheaper. It should have it all built into one unit. I mean, just one chili dog, you know, and then give you a, a port to where you can buy like an external display yeah if you want you know plug it in and bypass the display on the charger or in addition to it or remotely located in your case somewhere yeah yeah exactly you know with the little deal on it if you want but you should be able to have the reader right on top of the charger and and all that because it does get unless you're putting it all in a charging case it is kind of awkward, and that's where you know, like a, just a good old fashioned eye charger has a has an advantage. 
Well, there, there's really, there really is on like being really honest. There, there's no point to a bump controller if you don't have a charge case. It, it's a gadget. If it, it's like Dan was saying, gimmicky gadgety. I agree. If you don't have a charge case, if you have a charge case and it's well integrated, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's ex- it's excess. It, well, hold on. Why? Uh, let me. I want to challenge that, Sage. Why do you need to have a charge case for the bump controller? I just feel like where the bump controller shines is when you locate your controller, your or your controller, your actual charger in a place where it's not necessarily accessible. It's it's not like the Revelectrix interface requires a ton of clicks to start a battery. It's not like it's difficult to use. So if it's easily accessible, there's almost no reason not to. But if you have it hidden away in a case, a bump controller makes perfect sense because that's your point of interaction. I mean, if you're the, I think what he's yeah, getting true. at, like Justin, if you're the type to, you know, there, there's and there's a lot of people out there still doing this. I don't want to downplay it one bit. Where you've got your two power supplies taped together, you know. And, and maybe your field has like benches or tables and you just walk out there and you plunk your power supplies down, you set your charger next to it, you plug your charger next to it, you know, or into the power supplies and you have your, your little spider cables that you plug in the front of your charger. And that's, that's what you do for that day. At that point, I think what he's getting at is like, are you going to plug your bump controller in, you know? In addition into that, pretty soon you have all of these individual things strewn about your your work flying table or whatever. It's just not, it doesn't really make sense. I probably would not have one in that situation. But, I mean, the the deck space that it allows you to gain over having your chargers, like when you look at a lot of these sweet charging cases... You know, you always have to have the face of the charger, which means you have to worry about scratching the display, um, you know, getting at all the buttons, the increment, decrement buttons and the dials and the display and everything on the deck. Usually it's on the deck lid itself. Being able to bury that and just put a, a single small little bump controller in the lid, it, it's, it makes a shit ton of sense in that situation. Yeah. So it's a very like dependent design on how you like to have your setup. So for like for me who always has a charging case no matter what, it was it was like a no-brainer. But for the, you know, more simple person where they like to just put things together, throw everything almost like in a bag and put it all together when they get to the field, yeah, man, it doesn't I don't think it offers anything. It almost complicates things. It kind of does. I mean, you still get the tracking, which is a really big deal. Like that one has been a big thing for me. Um, I'm almost going to say, I mean, I don't know if I'd put it on like, you know, revolutionary or, or anything like that, but I'm way, way, way better about my charging and just about everything to do with my batteries since I have gotten it. So, you know, but that's me. I'm really bad about that kind of stuff. Being able just to have the super quick bump, hit storage, bump, you know, this, that. 
I'm I'm far better to my batteries now. I don't abuse them at all. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to introduce to you Sir Isaac McSwashballs the Third. You have given your all upon thy sticks. You've fallen quite short. Well, you flew like shit. Now at thy feet lay a pile of rubbish. Get out thy tools and don't be sluggish. What is this you say? Where are all my parts? To see her broken, it tears out my heart. For there is one man that will march through a blizzard. He'll get you your parts. The legend, the wizard. Catch that wizard while you can at www.lowerheli.com. So, Justin, yeah. I got a question for you. Go ahead, sure. Based based on uh, the introduction of this particular topic, uh, I'm kind of led to the impression that y- are, do you believe there's a lull uh, in the, in the hobby itself? I do. Yeah. I. So, go ahead, but I want to speak to that. Yeah, I, I so I, I quite simply I do feel like there's a lull, and I want to make sure I get this out there before people flip out. I, I'm not necessarily calling that a bad thing, right? It's it's more of a topic to build on, and and the lull as I see it really is in airframe and flybarless technology. I mean, we we did just talk about support technologies there with the radio. Hopefully, we continue to see. More radios do integration along the lines of the way the V control has. Um, you know, bump controller. I I hear what you guys are saying. I still think it's a lot more of a niche support technology than really even the the radio or the flybarless discussions we've had. Uh, but for airframes in particular, Dan, as well as speed controllers and motors, it's just kind of eh. Okay. They're they're there. That's it. Well. <sighs> I think that there are factors outside of the hobby itself that are contributing to this. And one of them, I believe, is uh, we are we are on the other side of the storm, so to speak, when it comes to the FAA stuff, right? Yep. All that stuff has kind of settled down. But I do, I do think that, you know, in the months leading up to all of that and the subsequent rulings that happened because of that, there was a there was there was a shakedown I believe in uh, in the hobby of of folks who wanted to kind of be in it but were like oh my gosh there's potential governmental regulations here I just don't want to deal with and I think the law although you're perceiving it as kind of innovative driven law I think that it's an economy thing as well. In other words, all the innovations in the in the world really aren't going to help if the economy and the and the confidence in people's uh, ability to continually have a job or 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 worry about government regulations. They're just not. They you know. I think we are re- we're just seeing the negative consequences of all of that kind of thrown at the hobby at one particular moment in time. So you've got people worrying about government regulations. You got people worrying about their own personal financial situations. And let's face it, this is kind of an expensive hobby. 
I mean, there are obviously much, much more expensive hobbies out there, and that gets pointed out to us all the time, and I get that, but when it comes right down to it, I think that the hobby is is just, it just needs to recover from a relative series of bad news uh, that weren't indirectly related to the hobby itself um, over the past year, year and a half. Right. So I think it just needs to recover from that. And I think as, as that aspect of it starts to recover, I think innovation in, in itself will, will probably increase as well. Yeah. I'm yeah. Pre- I, I think that's a good point. And, and I, and I think it's also something where Dan, maybe the hobby needs a lull or a plateau in innovation to, uh, to allow everyone to catch up. Because let's be honest, I mean, we are that is very crack true. addicts when it comes to this shit. It's like, ooh, a squirrel, you know, and you go and buy the next new thing. And so how, how often do people have an opportunity? And, and you know, I mean, I not ev- not everyone behaves that way, but but the ones that do, the ones that are deep in deep, how often do you have an opportunity to just stop and say, you know what? I feel satisfied. I've got a good fleet. There's nothing so crazy out there that it's calling my name. I'm just gonna fly. Yeah. I yeah. I think I, I think that could play a role. I think that I'm I'm really happy personally with the like Justin said the support technology innovation. I I think we are getting close to do. Uh, maybe not do, but I, I I do believe there is a bit of a lull with airframe innovation. But I also kind of feel like some of the manu- some of the manufacturers did that to themselves. Uh, I personally, I'll probably get a bunch of shit for saying this. Think the SAB really kind of shot themselves in the foot. They over released way too much. I mean, way too much. I I can't. I mean, people were just getting there. Finally, you know, a new model would be released. They'd save some money. They'd get the new heli in the air. And 10 minutes after they'd get their new heli made and another one was released. And you never gave like those loyal followers a chance to build some anticipation and you know mm-hmm. some excitement. Yeah. I I just realized that there have been four seven hundred goblins released since SAB has come around. Yeah, I mean it's it's insane. It, it really. Oh no, there's been way more than that, dude. I'm just the original, the comp, the speed, and the black thunder and nitro, I guess. And the KSC and both Urukais. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Man, <laughs> how many? How many other manufacturers have put out that many seven hundred different seven hundred size helis in that span of time? Yeah. Anyone it, ever? It, it really made people kind of numb to anything that they were putting out, and, and I, I just, I feel like they could have allowed themselves to build more. It's almost like. Uh, how do I put it? They they released models so fast that it's an, it's no wonder that they're all so similar. 
they didn't give themselves time to innovate. Now, they polished, they and they definitely learned. Don't get me wrong. They're getting lighter. Um, they're getting more reliable. I mean, like Justin was saying, to be able to take that 500 Sport bone stock right out of the box, spin the piss out of it, and pull 120 miles an hour is amazing. And it'll take it all day long. And that is because that ability they got from doing so many models and under, you know, really having their reliability and their QC dialed in. But all of these models really aren't that different. Now, that does make them all reliable, but it doesn't make them all innovative because they just didn't give themselves time to be creative. How can you be creative when you're, you know, you're releasing one and already working on the next one? Yeah, very, very good point, Nick. Uh, And whereas, you know, like, and other companies, I understand, take a different approach, you know, but I just, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's sometimes it's good to slow down a a little bit. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, too, you got to, you got to strike when the iron's hot. Right. Yeah, I get it. But I also think that you don't want to stoke the fire too much because you're just going to run. I mean, it's like you're you're going to burn it all out. That's true. You know, now it's a risk to take. Now they've they've got to the point where it's like, man, they've got what else can they do? It's it almost seems like what happened to a line. Almost. Now, the big difference. Oh, dude, that is a profound comparison. But I want to also be very upfront. The number one big difference here. Align never held a candle to supporting the hobby like SAB. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I want to be. And I don't think it. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't want people to take from that that SAB would go the way of a line because I don't see that no, either. I don't see them going that way. I, they've, they've been involved with the hobby. They're always going to be involved with the hobby. Um, it's just more a matter of flooding the industry with such innovation and, and good models. What, what is there left to do? That's right. UAV, UAVs and quads. <laughs> well, then, you know, the doubt, da- the, what really happens that stinks is that you you work yourself into a corner where you don't have anything else left to put out, and then if you take a break, people think you're dying because, you know, oh, they must be hurting. They're not putting out anything new. Well, it's because they, they, they put out so much stuff, there is nothing new to put out. So you kind of have to wait like a long time, whereas you got, you know, you got people like, like Bodos over there, you know? Slow and methodical. Slow and methodical. Oh, look at here's some CAD drawings of this one. Hey, guess what? You know, oh, now we've got we've got this one coming out, and you've got people dying for it when it comes out. You know, putting models out that slowly, but yet still maintaining as a business. Um, very different approach. I'm sure that SAB, well, we know SAB has sold a shit ton more, obviously made a whole bunch more money, so I don't want to fault them for that. Um, 
but just a very, very different approach that I would personally be a little bit cautious about. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, we say that, and then they've they they've always impressed me. So they could come out with something just completely freaking nuts in the spring, and we, uh, you know, I'd be sitting here eating crow. Okay, and I and so I think that that's a good segue to the next portion of this topic that I wanted to hit on. So we talked about kind of what's happened in the last five years. Whether we all agree that we're at a plateau or not, you know, it, it it's it's at least up for consideration. Once we do, because we all, you know, it, it as we talked about, it's a cyclic industry, just like anything else. Technology and innovation is cyclic. What do we see being the next big innovation in in the next, say, three to five seasons? And I kind of want to do this methodically and go down the line. So let's start with airframes. What what are they? What are we going to see? Or what do we? How about what do we think we're going to see? And what would we like to see? As far as airframe innovation going forward. Um, you know what I like that has been dabbled in. Uh, I really like what MSH did with the power bus. I feel like running wires, adding wires to carbon fiber and aluminum is the most controversial, like, they just hate each other, period. They they don't get along, and it, I would like to see manufacturers head in the direction like MSH did with the power bus, which is take out the options. That's one thing that I... Think people really appreciate clearly designated ways in which wiring is integrated into a helicopter to keep the run short, to keep the model looking clean, and to keep everything tidy. I would like to see that more. Yeah, that was okay. the first thing yeah, on my list. That's a good point. So more, more integration of the components into the airframe is kind of what I'm getting from that. Yeah. Integration of electrical components. You know what I mean? I would like to see ESC manufacturers quit building throttle leads into the ESC. I don't want them in there anymore. Give me a plug on the side of the speed controller. Period. Okay. End of story. Like to me, that should be the absolute norm on every single model. Because if you've ever changed, let's be honest, right? SAB is the most popular right now. If you've ever tried to swap a speed controller on an SAB helicopter, you hate yourself. Yeah. Because it goes all the way up, especially like with the hobby wings. Oh, they give you that nice, big, huge, long ass throttle wire. It goes all the way up. Dude. Mm -mm. Plugs, baby. (laughs) Let me make my own extensions to the right length, and then if I have a problem or I want to swap ESCs, it's all just right there. That's one that I would like to see. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. What about you, uh, Dan, in terms of airframes? I don't really have anything specific um, as far as, like Nick mentioned, uh, uh, but one one thing 
and I don't know that I really want to see this, but I think it's something that we might see down the line. When I was doing my UAV thing, we got in touch with a company out of, um, I believe it was Amsterdam, and I can't remember the name of the company, because they are toying with a new material of a natural fiber, uh, resin fiber, that um, is supposed to be like five times stronger than carbon fiber and two times lighter than carbon fiber. And it's things like that. Now, I don't have a vested interest in that because I'm not, as I've mentioned before, I'm not I'm not a gram counter. So it really it really doesn't matter to me one way or the other. But I think it's that kind of stuff that would help the hobby a little bit, I guess, because there's a lot of guys out there who are. I know I know all you guys are, right? You're all mm-hmm. concerned about that kind of stuff. So just from a hobby helping the hobby perspective, it's stuff like that. Looking at lighter materials, um, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to. We've we've said it before. Uh, you know, we're battery technology, that kind of stuff. But as far as airframes, I don't have a specific thing that I think every airframe must have because I really, I really don't care if I have to run wires. You know what I mean? I I get it. It's a pain in the ass on the goblins, but uh, I don't have to. I don't do that. I guess is what it boils down to. I don't swap. ESCs out like Nick does for testing, right? So I understand how that would be an issue uh, for someone like Nick who's doing that. But once I, you know, shit's pretty much got to burn up before I'm going to switch it out, right? So that kind of stuff doesn't really bother me. Would it be nice? Yeah, it would. But so nothing really specific on frames for me that I okay. that I think is must must see type stuff. You guys all know me, and you definitely know what I look for when it comes to helicopters, and that is reliability. For several months now, in hundreds of flights, I've been flying the MSH Protos Max. I'm to the point where I have complete confidence when this heli's in the air. I know that the quality manufacturing and the amazing part support from MSH USA will keep this model at the top of my list. For those of you looking for a top-notch 700 or even an 800-class helicopter, that screams quality and has an unbeatable price tag, look no further than MSHUSA.com. Sage? Um, well, what, things that I've seen that have come lately that I like is are things like uh, airframe manufacturers adding uh, reference markings for pitch and stuff like that. I think... I think uh, Innovations like that are extremely beneficial to the users and the consumers with being really low impact on the manufacturers. So I like seeing stuff like that. Um, Something I'd really like to see dealing with belted helis as long as I have been is I would like to see more manufacturers pay attention to the fact that when you put a belt on a tail uh, of a helicopter, you create a Van de Graaff generator, and you need to ground that to the rest of the uh, the system. And there's too many helicopters with plastic boom mounts and stuff like that that have no thought given to uh, given to the continuity of the machine. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a really good point, and that's an easy one, dude. Oh, so easy, so easy. But the uh, 
Why, why create a plastic boom block? I mean, I'm sure that there's cost reasons or maybe weight reasons to do it, but there's reasons not to do it as well. And why are, and if you are going to make it, why are you not, uh, you know, installing anti-static stuff in your kits? Why are people yeah, I mean, finding out the hard way? You don't know, make me run to the hardware store. Exactly. Yep. Oh, I got another one. Canopies. Quite honestly, I'm over it. I am so over it. Why? Why can't we come up with something for canopies that they're not like consistently degrading, just taking them on and off? You know what yeah, I mean? Carbon fiber. I feel like we're just, I, I still like we're still at that fighting with canopies stage. And the only purpose to have this canopy on there and to have to take it off is to swap batteries. So I don't know. Figure it out. Make the batteries come out of the back. Make it so. Make yep. the batteries come out of the back or out of the front or two piece canopies with smaller sections, you know, but. Damn, I am, and especially being a goblin owner. Now, I mean, once you get them all worked in and heated up, I just feel like I'm taking a huge piece on and off that I have to bend and tweak every time to fold shit and tuck freaking wires in over here to make sure and then to put it on and to sit there and hold my tongue to the left and, you know, look to the right and fiddle around to get the quick release things in. I feel like a lot of, you know, and nitros wearing through canopy mounts. I feel like after all this time, we should have figured that all out by now. Kind of across the board. I'm not just picking on any one manufacturer. You know, how many people at the bottom of their canopies, they're just tatered and cracked on the nose underneath because they take a fiberglass canopy and slide it into a carbon fiber, you know, little deal and the canopy gets hammered and it just seems like they take a lot more wear and tear over time than they need to. Yeah, you know, that totally makes agree. me that makes me wonder how come the car guys get away from the little polycarbonate or get away with the little polycarbonate clear things that you spray on the inside. Yeah, Would dude, that those, work for a helicopter those, if those even if it was a little thicker. Those bodies get hammered though. I mean, they get hammered. Yeah, but they can take it. Yeah, but when I was doing that, dude, we I would buy and paint five, six for one car just because they constantly were breaking. Oh, that bad, huh? Yeah, they're constantly getting. Yeah, hammered. but I'm not. I'm not concerned. Like I understand, dude. If I smash it into the ground, like I'll, you know, I'll take it all with a grain of salt. It is what it is. But I'm just talking about daily use. I, I mean, fighting the canopies. On and off. And yes, okay, I do know that there are some models that are much easier to take on and off than others. I I kind of feel like while I don't care for the way that that particular model looks, I feel like Bodos might be onto something with the two-piece canopy. You know, being able to give the model a wraparound look and aesthetics and aerodynamics, but not have to fight with like a two foot 
freaking long canopy that wraps all the way around the main shaft. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't feel like the with the where everything else is, I don't feel like canopy fitment and attachment technology has increased at all. Yeah, I don't know if that's fair to say because the Protos magnetic mount I would say is pretty innovative. Yes, I no, do. No, I I don't. I'll I'll tell you what. And um, you know, hey, like I said, send the hate mail. It's not innovative. It's the first time a company has actually done it correctly. I don't know. <sighs> okay, I totally see where you're coming from when you say that, but when you have this many companies all doing it wrong for so long, when someone decides to do it correctly, even though they're just deciding to do it correctly, maybe in the consumer's eyes, it's still relatively innovative compared to what everyone else is doing in the market. Yeah, I know, but the bar's set low there. I mean, you can. I'm being a little bit uh, arrogant from an engineering perspective, but it's not rocket science in that particular case. And Fair. that is not in any way to slight Protos and Alex and the team because they've got a kick-ass design. And they yeah. did do it right. But they also did take but, the easy route, too. I mean, if you're going to mount a canopy and make it, you want to make it easy, don't wrap it around the back of the helicopter. That's true. Uh, that's that good solves point. a whole ton of bunch of problems. Mm -hmm. Because then you don't have to, you know, you can get away with uh, um, a lot. I think you can get away with a lot broader options of materials and material thickness as far as the canopy itself, because, you know, every time I go and open up my canopy to go around the main shaft, is the paint going to crack? Is it going to do this or is it going to do that? Or, you know, now a two foot long canopy has to have significantly more rigidity to it to maintain shape if it's going to wrap around a main gear or up over around certain parts to maintain that shape. Whereas you basically take like a blown up old T-Rex 450 canopy side, you know what I mean? Take that, just make it a little bit bigger. You have a lot more room. So they definitely went the simple approach, which I get and I respect, but you know, make it work that well on a canopy design or feature set that is a little more desirable across the masses. We've gone to more wraparound canopies. I think people generally like the way that they look more. Um, yeah, and I don't disagree. I mean, they created a wraparound canopy themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, what you're saying is totally valid that the canopy design they chose isn't necessarily the most difficult to make do what they've done. But the way I look at it is, is they, they took something that everybody complains about across almost every model and they did something about it. Yeah, no, that's they true. They made it easier for the consumer. Bottom line, period. At the end of the day, it's easier to take it off and put it on yeah, I, than it is with just about any other model. Completely And agree in with that, that sense, it is innovative. It's just in sort of a backwards way, I guess is all no, I'm trying to say. I totally see what you're saying. It, it, yeah, it's there's not any new technology at work. They just changed the concept. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's fair. 
What else would I like to see? Um, I want to see more adjustable head damping because oh, I'm yeah. hooked from the uh, from the TDR two, and I don't think it's that difficult to do. I I want I want to see cheaper prices. Okay, that's gonna be hard. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. I'll be honest. I don't think cheaper prices are fair when you look at what goes into actually making a model and the cost of production and. I mean, the models are so badass, and our standards are so high on what we expect out of an airframe. I don't feel that's fair, but I am so on the board with Justin's adjustable head damping. Why in the hell did at some point someone decide that it was acceptable for the manufacturer to tell me what RPM I want to run at? I do not like that. I loved the days back when every manufacturer had like three different colors of dampers and, you know, shim sets and you could really tweak and tune. I don't, I don't like that. That's not the case anymore. I think it still is the case for some models, but yeah, I, I agree. I think just adjustable damping like compass and Henselet have, uh, I think would go a long way. I'm even I cool mean, with it. Not, the adjustability built into the head. Like I'm okay with it being standard, but I would like to go back to, to having options. You know, I don't care if I got to pull the, the feathering shaft out and swap out the dampers themselves. Although I really think that like what compass and TDR did is freaking awesome, but give me something, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I um I think another nice thing about airframes would be and I know this goes completely counter to uh the manufacturers making money off of parts. Although I will say that Alex and the MSH team deserve mad props for what they've done. Let's make the airframes themselves and I'm not talking about the whole helicopter, right? I'm talking about the main airframe the shit where all the money is, we got to be able to make those more robust. I mean, and we've seen it on the protos. You can pancake that some bitch, and it still comes back without a mark on those plastic bottom frames. They keep your batteries protected, so on and so forth. But like, get rid of the, you know, tipping over the heli on an auto causes you to crack a side frame, and now I've got to spend 60 bucks to replace it. Make your money off of all the other parts. I'm fine with that. But damn it, I hate rebuilding models when the airframe itself is damaged. Yeah, but that's so hard because we're also sitting here, you know, bitching that we love the trend of people starting to make stuff lighter and lighter again. (laughs) Like, get the disc loading lighter. We don't want heavy helis. It's got to come from somewhere. You know, you want to go back to the... Eight millimeter main shafts that could be Lighter bent in flight on better. command. Yeah, I don't. I don't all that much miss the push pull days, man. Let me tell you, you hit the ground, you just pop a couple links, and you were good to go. Never busted servo gears. All right. Yeah. That's all that's all that I can think of off the top of my head. 
any any other technologies that you guys think are ripe for innovation or that you'd like to see innovation on? Uh, all I blades. know is... Yeah, blades are cool. Yeah, blade, it's always nice to see advances being made in blades because it seems like there's a long way to go there. All I was going to say is if I see another new transmitter come out with a screen underneath the neck strap attachment... <laughs> I don't freaking know what I'm gonna you do. You know what? Do the touché. people who design them not use them? Yeah, touche. Ever? I agree. I mean, seriously, I completely, one hundred percent agree. You shouldn't have to buy, you know, one of the most top of the line radios out there to get that simple of a feature. Yep. No, I, I, <laughs> damn. Very well. That I like that one because man, it sucks. I do. I'm on board with that. And you guys are a bunch of whiny bitches. Well, oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, I actually, I'm reflecting on the last few minutes of conversation, and I was thinking the same thing, Dan. I was like, I can't wait to see the uh, the episode thread on this one, and and that's fine. Like. You know, definitely blast us if you think we're being whiny bitches. But I'd also like to hear what the listeners have to say in terms of innovation. <laughs> and Mr. Rose, I know you're going to respond. Go for it. I, I um, uh, don't take it the wrong way. No, I, I'm there. You know, MSH is they're freight training forward. And I love Hell it. yes. I lo- and, and it actually kind of pisses me off that I didn't bring them up when we were talking about airframe stagnating because everyone's stagnating except for MSH. No, that's a very fair point. I mean, it's so correct. And, and it's funny because you know what they did? They just went back to kind of almost basics and kept it simple. Uh, but how they did it is is really unique. I think it's cool, and and I I'm glad to see someone other than SAB gaining momentum. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love my helis to death, but at the end of the day, you have to have good quality competition, and more so, I think in MSH's case, they're in the mode to push. To, I mean, they're in that mode where where they have sight set forward and motivation and confidence and i like that you know it's not like oh yeah well it's been uh, six months we should probably release something i don't know go look in the back and see what all see if we can take some parts off of this one some parts off of that one then we'll call it something new (laughs) oh geez you're brutal all righty well good talk Yes. Yeah. Uh, should we wrap this one up? I think so. Yeah. All righty. Well, before we do that, though, we should probably get some emails out there. Nick, how could I get in touch with you if I wanted to? Wait. Use some hate mail. Wait, there's more? There's oh, more. Because there have been a lot of people bugging me about this. There's so. always more with Justin. I know. RCHN5. I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but bear with me here. Um, tons of people are asking when it's going to be. And I can't give you a 100% answer yet, but the 95 to 99.873% answer is Thursday, September 14th, 
through Sunday, September 17th of 2017. Okay, I'll be there. I'll be there at the field those days. Perfect. Same place. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, one thing I want to say before we wrap up, too, is uh, thank you to everybody who posted on my Facebook wall. It was bit overwhelming to see all the birthday wishes i appreciate that another just another day for me don't really do birthdays but i am 40 i had to wait i was telling nick uh when we were talking about it at his house i was like you know i'm gonna have to wait for facebook to tell me how old i am because i can't really remember <laughs> if it's 44 45 yeah 46 it's 45 as it turns out damn it but oh did we enjoy the seafood buffet my friend oh yeah so nick i and am I glad it. that it was your birthday <laughs> We killed that, man. We destroyed that seafood buffet. That was a lot of fun. All righty, guys. So maybe we should do some emails now. Is anybody else okay with that? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. How about you, Nick? Uh, you would get a hold of me at nick at rchelionation.com or nickland-rchn on Facebook. Justin? You could send me an email to justin at rchelionation.com or Justin Pucci on Facebook and the forums. Sage? You can get me at sage at rchelionation.com, S-A-J-E, or Sage Marvin on Facebook or Razor Sharp on the forums. Jesse, if you wanted to send him an email, you could do that at jesse at rchelionation.com. You could also catch him on Facebook. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchelionation.com, Dan K. Reed on the forums and Facebook. If you have a question about shirts, citizen cards, or anything like that, you could send those to Ken at rchelionation.com. I do think, oh uh, yeah, just be sure to check out the Facebook page. I know it's it's, uh, it's it's still growing. It's nice to see. Over 5,000 likes. We appreciate that. It's a great way to show your support. It's also a great way for you to find out what we're up to. And we've had a couple people asking about the trailer video for RCHN4, so they're uh, Keith and Mark, they're working together on it. Uh, there might actually end up being two separate ones, just kind of two different flavors. Uh, give them a little bit of time. You know, they both got busy schedules. We're super excited to see everything. Uh, if you missed the pictures, we have uh, an album on our Facebook page with all the pictures that we took from our CHN4. And hopefully we will get that. If it's not now, we will get it up shortly. Uh, on the website, and that is over under the media section. So if you go to the top of our website, go all the way over to the right. Uh, under media, there is photos, and we also have all our, all of our videos there. Yes. All righty, guys. Well, this has been episode 253. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next Monday. Adios. Take it easy, guys. Hey, guys. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by BK Designs, Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, Superiority, and MSH USA. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. Yeah.